can't believe we're already to our last service of the year. It's been a crazy few weeks as we've been online, but I just want to say thank you for going on the journey with us. And as I was writing this sermon, I just was thinking about you guys, and I just pray that you're staying healthy during this time, that you're getting outside. The weather's been amazing lately. You know, getting outside, uh, staying in your word, being healthy. Just want to encourage you guys to, to keep some healthy rhythms in your lives as it's been just a crazy you know, period of time here being in quarantine. So I just want to encourage you with that. But if you're new with us tonight, I just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. You came on the very last service of Chi Alpha in this school year. And if you are new, I just want to encourage you to fill out the Connect card. It's in the video description. Uh, just fill that out for us so we can get in touch with you and hopefully connect you into our community. And if you're not a college student and you're watching this, I just want to say I'm glad you're here because this fall we're planting a brand new church in the Cedar Valley called Scent Church. And Scent Church comes from John 20, 21, where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We believe that Jesus has sent us to the Cedar Valley. Just as that song was, was singing, you know, Lord send revival. We believe that Jesus has sent us to bring revival to the Cedar Valley. That's what we're contending for. That's what we're praying for. And if you're interested in that, I pray that you get involved with our church and help us uh, get it started. And we're you know, planning on starting this fall. So I just want to encourage you to start praying about that. And so with that in mind, this is my last sermon as the Chi Alpha director. It's been a crazy five years. I can still remember my very first uh, service of preaching as the director. I think it was in April of 2015 in the spring then, and there was like 10 students in the audience, and it's just crazy to think about what God has done since then. And it's actually similar tonight. There's like 10 people in the audience. Kind of funny how God did that. Uh, but uh, I can't believe how, or how fast time has gone, and and this year in particular has been a crazy fast year. You know, we kind of got cut short. And it just seems like just yesterday that, you know, the students were at the Mock Reunion Live on the Thursday night of Welcome Week, and we were welcoming freshmen onto the campus and, and playing Nine Square and a bunch of weird games that I don't understand. But I remember the freshmen coming, some of you now who are very connected into our community, and our small group leaders were like hound, just ready to kind of pounce on you, right? That's what small leaders are trained to do. And you're like, what is going on? I'm just trying to hang out and have some fun. And this weird guy keeps trying to talk to me, right? So I remember that like it was yesterday. And now here we are. Some of you freshmen are training up to be small group leaders or your key members in our community. And it's just crazy what God has done in such a short amount of time. At that point, our interns were just getting started. John Griffin and, and Casey Griffin and Katie Crack and Marcus Boldy were all just getting started. They were just like so excited to be on the team. And now they're like, man, I don't know about ministry. I'm kidding. They're excited, right? But, uh, you know, Derek was starting his first year on staff full time. And I didn't know that God was calling us to plant a church yet. I had an idea that he might be calling us to do that, but God had not confirmed that yet. And back then, we didn't even know what the coronavirus was, right? Like, like, it didn't even exist yet. We didn't know what it was. And now to think all the things that have happened, it just, it's just incredible to think about all the changes that have happened in such a short amount of time. In September, that's when things began to change for me personally and for our team. As God confirmed that he was calling us to plant a church through a prophetic word that a friend gave me. And then on October 14th, uh, that's when Emily and I took some really big steps to really get the ball rolling with the church plant. And then two days after that, so on October 16th, on October 14th, we decide we are all in on this church plant. We're all in. We're not turning back. October 16th, it's late at night, 1030 at night. And I think we're doing dishes, me and Emily, and then she tells me that she's pregnant. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I prayed so hard for Jane, and it took so long. And our second baby you know, it just came like a flash, it seemed like. And we had just decided we were planning a church. And I was thinking, God, what in the world have you got me into? God has a sense of humor having me get the ball rolling on the 14th and then telling me that we're expecting a baby on the 16th. And this has been the biggest faith journey of our lives. We've had to trust Jesus more in this season than ever before. We've had uh, to walk by faith each and every day. It kind of feels like we're walking through a dark room and we just see the few there are a few feet in front of us, and we have to trust God for each and every step as he continues to illuminate the way. And it's just been this incredible faith journey. And one thing I've learned throughout this season is that the best place to be spiritually is not in a place of complete control. It's not in a place of complete security and comfort, but instead it's, you know, the best place to be is where you have to walk by faith 
each and every day. Like every breath is a step of faith. You're trusting Jesus each and every step of the way. The best place to be is when you're desperately relying upon Jesus to come through. That is the best place. It's the space where you really have to trust Jesus, where you really get to know him and figure out who he's called you to be. I think of the story when, when Peter walks on water, when Jesus calls Peter to get out of the boat and to walk on water, and he's taking steps, and he has to lock eyes with Jesus, trusting him each and every step of the way. And then once he started looking around at the storm, he started to sink because he wasn't locked eyes with Jesus. And that's what it's like to be out on the water when you're stepping out in faith, that you have to lock eyes with Jesus and trust him and lean into him and let him lead you every single step of the way. I believe that tonight, uh, with my last sermon of my entire time as the director, I believe that God is gonna call some of us to step out in faith. For some of us, it might look like sacrificing some things uh, or to realize God's best. It might look like sacrificing some sleep in the morning to get up early to spend time with Jesus each and every day. Or for others, it might look like pursuing a relationship with that person that you're interested in. It's hard to do that during a time of quarantine, but hey, Zoom dating is a big thing right now, so you could try that out. For others, it might look like leaving your current job or your current major to step into what God has called you to do. Maybe the new major or the new job doesn't have as much income, promise, but God's calling you to it, and if he calls you to it, he'll bring you through it. I think there's others tonight who, who God is calling to share your faith. Your, or God is calling you to share your faith with a coworker or a classmate or a family member, and you've known that he's calling you to do that for a long time, and tonight God is pushing you and saying, hey, you need to obey me tonight. And still others, there's, there's some who God is calling to start to give generously with your finances, to start trusting him with your finances. And these are just some of the things I thought of as I was preparing this sermon, but the point is God is calling all of us in some way to step out in faith tonight. I think God is calling us to take risks for his purposes and to trust him to help us as we do that. Before we step out in faith, we have to make sure that that we're hearing God's voice correctly, but once we hear God's voice, we need to step out in faith and trust him each and every step of the way. So with that said, we are concluding our last series of the year called, it's called New Lands, and this series has been all about uh, the new lands that God is taking us into as Chi Alpha and also Sent Church and and personally, as some of you are going out as seniors to, to step into the new lands that God has for you, the point is God is bringing us all into a new season. And this whole series has been about that season and what God is asking us to do as we prepare to step into that. In week one, we talked about how before we can go into a new land, we have to prioritize the presence of God. Our priority has to be being with Jesus. That has to come before anything else. We have to be in God's presence before we can do anything for God. We have to be with God before we can do something for God. We have to get that in our spirits. It starts with intimacy with Jesus. That is the foundation. Okay, so that was week one. I could preach that message again. I like that message. And then week two, Pastor Jack came up here like a batter, like a cleanup batter. Just went boom and knocked it out of the park with his sermon on following Jesus. Man, I was feeling convicted as I sat behind that camera last week. You know, Derek brought it and talked to us about the importance of obeying Jesus and doing what he's telling us to do. And now tonight, we're gonna talk about faith and the importance of faith. And, and specifically, the sermon is called A Life of Faith. Okay, that's my prayer for all of us, that, that God will call each of us to live a life of faith, a, or just a life that lives it out on the line and says, I'm gonna give it all for Jesus. I'm gonna do whatever he tells me to do. We can't hope to realize God's dreams for our lives if we don't step out in faith, if we don't trust him, if we don't take risk. I'm telling you, if you want to obey God's will, you have to take some risk. You can't always see the whole picture before you walk. Instead, you have to just walk each and every step of the way and trust Jesus to get you to where he wants to get you. That's what Jesus has for us tonight, all right? So if, if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, that's where we're gonna hang out. And I've been excited about this message for quite some time. Genesis 12 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and it's one of my favorite stories. And the book of Genesis is split up into two parts, okay? So there's Genesis 1 through 11, which is like the stories you might hear about in your Old Testament class. It's the stories of, of the creation of the world and, and Noah's Ark and Cain and Abel and these different stories about the beginnings of the world. And then in chapter 12, the author pivots and he, Instead of being zoomed out on a big picture view of the world, he zooms into one family, the family of Abraham, the family of Abram. His name changes. The Bible does that a lot. They change the names of people throughout their story. But, but the story of Abram, they, they zoom in on his family. And then Genesis 12 through 50 tells us the story of his family. And in Genesis 
chapter 12, this is when Abram's calling begins. So God calls Abram. He says, hey, you need to leave your current land and go to the land that I'll show you, and I'm going to make you a great nation. And here's the thing. Abram doesn't have any kids at this point. He's old as dirt. He's past the point of having children. His wife is definitely past the point of having children. And God says, you're going to have kids who have kids who have kids, and it's going to become a big nation. So the point is, Abram could not see the whole picture. He couldn't even see part of the picture. He's like, this is impossible. But God called him to step out in faith, and then God came through on his behalf. And that's what we're going to do tonight is just look at his story. We're going to look at three verses, the first three verses of Genesis 12, and see what it tells us about living a life of faith. Okay, let's read it here. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all, all, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Have you ever thought that your obedience could bring blessing to every single family on earth? That's what God's been doing since the beginning of time. He's been calling people to step out in faith, and as they do, he blesses others through that person's obedience. Everything we know as followers of Jesus traces back to this moment. And the reason that tonight we're here in Waverly, we're in Waverly recording here, the reason we're here recording this sermon about Jesus. We're talking about the Savior of the world. The reason we're doing this, it can all be traced back to Abram's step of faith. If he doesn't step out in faith here, then none of this happens. Jesus doesn't come because Jesus was Abram's de- or descendant. Jesus came through the Israelite people. It all traces back to one man's crazy faith. And I believe tonight that God is calling some of us to have that same kind of faith. So the main idea tonight is this. God is calling us to be a people who lay it all on the line for him. God wants us to be a people who trust him no matter what, and no matter what he asks us to do. He wants us to be a people who walk by faith and not by sight. All right, let's pray about that tonight. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for Abram's obedience all those years ago. God, I thank you that our story can be traced back to other people's stories who stepped out in faith and and trusted you when you told them to do something. I pray that I pray that the line would not stop with us, but God, I pray that we'd be risk takers. God, I pray that we'd have a big faith and we'd believe in a big God who comes through on his promises. And God, I pray that as we do that, as we step out in faith, that you would come through time and time again and show us that you are trustworthy. All right, Jesus, we love you and we thank you in your name, amen. All right, so tonight is my last chance to cast vision with you as the Kyle director. And don't worry, I'm gonna be doing it a lot as the lead pastor of Scent Church, but tonight's my last chance to do it from this seat, so I'm just gonna lay it all out there for you. I think the best way to end it is to talk about how to live by faith. So let's look at it. So we're just gonna go three verses, three points, okay? Very simple, I like to keep things simple, okay? First verse says this again. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. Okay, first point tonight is this, radical obedience, This is how we live a life of faith, radical obedience. We must obey before we see the whole picture. The first thing I notice in his life, in Abram's life, is God called him to obey without showing him the whole picture. He called him to take steps of faith without knowing where he was going. Oftentimes, we want to give God a 25-year plan, and we want God to show us what will happen before we'll obey him. We want to see the whole picture before we take the step. But the thing we learn from Abram's story is God does not show us the full picture. I promise you, if God calls you to do something, he's not gonna show you the full picture because he wants to to see that you have faith in him, that you trust him, that he'll get you to where you need to go. God may give us a general dream or direction, but he doesn't tell us how everything will work out because he wants to grow us through us, uh, stepping out in faith and trusting him. God simply tells us what the next step is And he promises us, he says, you may not know where you're going, but I know where you're going. And if you trust me, I'll get you to where you're going. And I'll be with you as I take you there. God tells Abram, leave your country, leave everything you know, and go to the land that I'll show you. He doesn't tell Abram if it's a land that has nice beaches or mountains or great greenery. He just says, go to the land I'll show you. We have no idea where he's going. 
He doesn't show Abram the land first and then say, hey, head toward that land. Instead, he just says, start walking, boy, and I'll show you where you need to go. I just have a question for a second. Would we obey God if he spoke to us in that way? He just said, go to the land that I'll show you. I don't know if I would. I want God to show me the whole picture before I obey him most of the time. But God is looking for a generation of people who will obey him no matter what he asks us to do and obey him before he shows us the whole picture. God is asking us to trust him no matter what and to do what he says no matter what, no matter how unclear the or the end result is. So when Emily and I returned to Lead Chi Alpha in 2015, like I said, there's like 10 people in the room, and I think some of them were graduating. I had no idea what was gonna happen. I had no idea what God had up his sleeve. I was super naive. I had no idea what I was getting into. I had some general thoughts. I said, yes, God wants to lead people to himself through our ministry. God wants to help Chi Alpha get healthy. I had some general ideas, but I had no idea, like, like this is beyond my wildest dreams, that, that God would raise up five ministers through our ministry. I had no clue. I had no clue. In just five years, God's raised up five ministers. I had no clue that God would allow us to baptize 88 students. And there would have been more if we would have been able to be together at the end, but 88's a pretty awesome group of people. I had no idea that my little brother's life would be radically transformed through this ministry. I had no clue. You know, funny story, back then, when I would try to have deep talks with Derek, he would just change the subject. Like, he would not talk deep with me at all. And now he's the deepest guy I know, one of the deepest guys I know. I had no idea that God would do that through Derek or do that in Derek's life. I had no clue that Derek's crazy friend from, a friend from high school, John Griffin, would end up coming to our ministry, getting saved, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, and going into ministry and becoming one of my best friends. I just thought he was a smelly kid that was in Derek's class. I had no clue what God had up his sleeve. That day when I walked to John Griffin's dorm room and sat in his beanbag chair, I had no clue what God was going to do through that. No idea. I had no clue that God was going to form a ministry that just naturally overflows into a church here in the Cedar Valley. It's not something we're forcing. It's just kind of flowing into that. Instead, I thought I'd be here for a few years, you know, maybe build a healthy ministry, and then I would take off and go do something else, and someone else would come and take over. But God is a way better planner and organizer than we are. He's way smarter than you. If you get one thing tonight, just know God's a lot smarter than you. He's a lot smarter than me. And he knows what he's doing. So you can trust him in your steps of faith. God wants us to obey him one step at a time. So tonight, what is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to obey before you see the whole picture? What step of faith is he calling you to take before you see what's gonna happen? For some of you, maybe God is calling you to change your major. Maybe God is calling you to pursue a new career. In a group this size, I can confidently say that there's some of you who God is calling to change your direction a bit tonight. He's calling you to do a change to, or to make a turnaround and, and go a different direction. Some of us are on the wrong path and God is trying to get us to get on the right path tonight. There's others who are probably being called into full-time ministry. God is in the business of raising up laborers for ministry and some of you have a calling on your life and if you would obey, there'd be so many people who would get saved and, and come to know Jesus but you have to give up your plans tonight. God is calling you to give up your dreams at his altar and say, I'm going to obey you, Jesus. I'll go no matter, or go wherever you call me to go and do whatever you call me to do. There's some that, that God is asking you to, to share your faith with a family member. You've been having some conversations at home as you've been at home during this season that could lead to faith conversations, but you haven't taken that step of faith yet. And God is calling you to share your faith. God wants you to share the love of Jesus tonight. There's others who you have a bad habit or you have a sin that's kind of nagging at you and you've never told anyone about it. And tonight, God is calling you to, or to go from the land that you know to the land that he'll show you and to take a step of faith by confessing that sin to a trusted friend and bringing it out to the light. We need to stop telling God all the reasons why we can't obey and we need to just start immediately obeying him when he tells us to do something. We need to stop asking God for the 25-year roadmap. Instead, we need to just do what he says. And maybe like Abram, the salvation of nations is on the line. The, salvations of nations, or the salvation of nations is on the line by your obedience. You need to obey tonight. Eternity could be in the balance. Abram's story does not only show us that, that God's calling us to obey before we see the whole picture, it also shows us that or the importance of having a godly vision that's worth giving everything for. Okay, so the second point tonight is this. If we want to live a life of faith, we have to have a godly vision. 
We got to get a vision that's bigger than ourselves. We got to get a vision that's worth giving everything for. And that comes from verse two. So I want to read that for us again. It says this, and I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Although God did not give Abram all the details of his calling and where he was going, he did give him the reason why he was being called. He gave him a godly vision for his life that was worth giving everything for. And what is a godly vision, you may ask? A godly vision is a vision that's not about you. A godly vision is a vision that is not about you. It's not for self-centered purposes. It's not about what you would enjoy the most or what would be the most comfortable. But it's about bringing God glory and being a blessing to others. In our story, he tells Abram, through your obedience, you will become a great nation. But you won't just become a great nation for yourself. Instead, you'll be blessed and become great so that you will be a blessing. God wants us to obey him so that we can bless others. We know now that that Abram would become the father of the Jewish people and that Jesus would come from that people and that Jesus would save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Abram's calling shows us that our calling is not about us, but it's about who God wants to reach through us. It's about blessing other people. Some of us and I have two small visions. Our vision is all about ourselves. Our vision goes something like this. Get a degree, get married to an attractive man or woman. They gotta be attractive. Have 2.5 kids, you know, the half kid there just for fun. And make a comfortable income and have a job I enjoy and then retire and then die. That's most of our visions tonight. Those things aren't bad. But if you want all those things for selfish reasons, then we're missing God's best. Instead, we should be seeking a degree, a spouse, a job, and and pursue having children so that we can bless the world. We should be praying about how we can use our degree and our career to bless other people. We should be pursuing the right partner so we can accomplish the calling that God has put on our lives. We should try to have the healthiest, godliest marriage possible so that we can be a blessing to the world and a blessing to our partner. We should be intentional with our children and raising them and teaching them are teaching them the fear and love of God so that they can be an agent of blessing to the world. Everything we do has to be about blessing God and and blessing others and leading people into relationship with Jesus Christ. One of my heroes in the faith is a man named George Mueller. Okay, that might not be how you pronounce it exactly. If Reagan was here, he'd correct me. I love that guy. And George Mueller, he ran an orphanage in Europe in the 1800s, and he gave his life for the care of orphan children who nobody else wanted. And this is amazing in itself. It's a godly vision. But what's even more amazing about this, he wasn't just someone who cared for orphans. He trusted God for finances every step of the way. He never, ever asked anyone for money for his orphanage. Instead, he would just take it to God and pray. He'd say, Jesus, I need this. Please give it to me. And then God would provide through unexpected checks in the mail, through people blessing him randomly. He brought all of his needs for his orphanage before God, and God came through every single time. I had the blessing of reading his autobiography in 2016, and it just blessed my socks off. The, the stories of, like you'd see his, his journal entries of saying, God, I need this. And then the next day you'd say, wow, God came through on that. Every single time. And you wanna know why God came through for him? He came through because George's vision was not about himself. His vision was about blessing other people. Some of you tonight, you feel like you're hitting a brick wall with the calling you're pursuing. And maybe it's because it's all about you. And God's saying, if you would just pursue the calling that I have for you that's supposed to bless others, then I would bless your socks off. I would help you get to where you need to go. But we have to start pursuing God's calling for our lives, not our own. Just like George's ministry, in my five years of leading Caiaphas ministry or the Caiaphas ministry, there's never been a time where we had a need that just went unmet. Every time, guys, I'm not kidding you, every time, personally and also for the ministry, God came through. Every single time. There was never a time where like, hey, hey, we really need this, and then God didn't come through and give it to us. And I believe it's because of what Chi Alpha is about. Chi Alpha is not about us. And that's one thing we need to know as we go forward into the future. Chi Alpha is not about us. It's not just a holy club, okay? Chi Alpha is about bringing the blessing of God to the world. It's about being Christ's ambassadors, bringing the message of Jesus to our campus that desperately needs him, especially in this day. Our campus is desperate for a demonstration of the Holy Spirit. 
And that's why God comes through for Kyle, and he will continue to provide for Kyle because Kyle is about blessing other people. Guys, we have to get a vision that's not about us. We have to get a vision that's worth giving everything for. Tonight, we need to pray and ask God, hey, God, what is a vision for my life that's worth giving everything for? So maybe God has asked you to be a teacher, and that is incredible. That is amazing. I pray that there's tons of teachers who are raised up from this house. If that's your vision, I just pray that your, your vision for teaching would not just be to be a teacher because you enjoy it. That's not a godly vision. That, or that's more of a selfish vision. I pray and said that your vision for teaching would say, hey, I want to be a teacher so that I can bring the love of Jesus to the classroom. I want to be a teacher so I can bless the other teachers and, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. I want to be a teacher so I can influence the world for Jesus. That's a godly vision for being a teacher. There's others tonight who have come in here or, or come online, and God's called you to be a businessman or woman. And if your vision for that is just so you can make a large income, so you can have some nice stuff, then you're missing it. However, if you want to be a business person so that you can leverage your income to support missionaries and feed the poor and support your church, then you're closer to a godly vision. If you want to be in the, be in the marketplace so you can bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the marketplace, that's closer to a godly vision. Or maybe God has asked you to pursue a spouse. Like you've been just really working out. You know, it's hard to do right now, but you've been working out and you're trying to find that spouse. If you only want a spouse so you can have companionship and have someone to make out with, which is great when you're married, right? So, you, you know, go make out after this, you know, couples that are married. Uh, but uh, if that's the only reason, then you're missing the purpose of marriage. You're missing why God has called you to that. Instead, pursue a spouse so you can pursue God with them and be a blessing to the world with them. So you can be partners in holy crime and try to bring the gospel to the world. That was so cheesy. So just, just hear that. I know that was cheesy. So, so partner with them to bring the gospel to the world. We need to stop thinking in terms of what is best for me? What's gonna make me happy? Although I'm telling you this, if you pursue God's calling, you'll find deep joy in that space. Okay, so hear that. But, but tonight we need to stop asking what's in it for me and instead say what is God calling me to do so that I can bless other people? Ultimate, or ultimately our lives will be the most fulfilling and closest to God's will and deeply joyful, not when we do what is most self-centered or comfortable, but instead when we do what God has asked us to do in that space we'll have deep, deep contentment no matter how hard the calling can be at times. Okay, so we've seen in Abram's life that, that God called him to be obedient, that, that God called him to have a godly vision that just went way beyond himself. But, but there's one more ingredient that enabled him to live the life of faith that he lived. And we see this in verse three. So I wanna read it for us here. It says, I will bless those who bless you. That's an amazing promise. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the third point tonight is this, holy confidence. Mm, come on, holy confidence. We must know that God is fighting on our behalf. All right, so when we pursue a calling from Jesus, when we obey him, he promises, I'm gonna fight your battles for you. Boom, boom, I'm gonna take out the devil for you. Jesus, when we pursue Jesus' calling for our lives, it can give us deep confidence because we know he's paving the way that he's fighting for us. So once Abram did the hard work of just of discerning God's voice and making sure that his calling was about other people, he was able to walk with courage and confidence because he knew that if God was calling him to it, he was gonna get him through it. And specifically, God says, I will bless those who bless you and dishonor those or curse those who curse you. So essentially, God is saying that he'll fight Abram's battles for him. As we obey Jesus, as we walk by faith, seeking a calling that blesses the world and leads people to Jesus, we can know that God is going before us and he's fighting for us. We don't have to work it all out. Let's take the pressure off tonight. If you're pursuing God's calling on your life, you do not have to work it all out. You have to obey him and take steps of faith and, and do what he's asked you to do, but you don't have to work it all out. God is working out the details. He's fighting your battles. He's going before you. For our church plant, Jesus has already promised that he will build his church if we seek him. Jesus will build his church. If we center our church on Jesus and let him lead it, he's gonna build it. Don't you worry, Jesus will build his church. For, for 2,000 years, Jesus has been doing this. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus said to Peter, he said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And likewise, as Derek begins leading Chi Alpha, and as the interns come on staff, we don't have to worry about the future, and we don't have to stress about the future, but we can have confidence because actually we're gonna have the same director that we had before. 
Jesus Christ. He will continue to lead this ministry. He will continue to build Chi Alpha as we seek his purposes on the campus. It was, the leader of Chi Alpha was never me. It wasn't Jonathan Barthelow. It wasn't any of the other people who have led it, but it's always been Jesus. And as long as we let him continue to lead it, he will build this ministry and he will fight our battles. Our best days are yet to come. I believe that. This is the beautiful thing about obeying Jesus and having a vision that's from him. We don't have to work it all out. We simply obey him and he works it out. For me, I always knew that Jesus had called me to plant a church since I, or since I knew I was called to ministry, but I had no idea how it would happen. Like when I came to be the director at Chi Alpha, it actually seemed like it was gonna kind of derail me off that path. I was like, how is pursuing Chi Alpha gonna help me plant a church? I need to be in church ministry. Guys, I've never served in church ministry, yet I'm going to plant a church. Kind of weird, huh? So if you're gonna be part of a church, just you know, bear with me here. But little did I know that, that through Chi Alpha, God was setting up the church plant, that, that our church would be an overflow of Chi Alpha. And I promise you guys, when I came here, I had no idea that God was calling me to this. I thought we would be here for a while and then go off and plant a church somewhere else. But Jesus knows what he's doing, and he's fought our battles. He's worked behind the scenes, setting this all up. And one of the greatest examples of this, of, of Jesus setting us up, was last year. So last year, I think it was in January of 2019, Derek and I found out that, that uh, the privilege of using the projector in Lang Hall Auditorium wouldn't be available to us anymore. We wouldn't be able to use the projector in Lang Hall without paying a, an insane fee for it. Like, it's, it's not affordable for us, for campus ministers, and Derek and I were panicking a little bit. We're like, what's going to happen? We don't have a projector. We can't afford to pay rent for that projector. And what we did is we simply began to pray. And we said, Jesus, we don't have the money for this. But Jesus, we need you to come through. And all we did was we posted on my Facebook group where all my supporters are on there and just said, hey, we need a projector. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. And I love you, all my supporters. So you probably just didn't see it. But nobody liked it. Nobody commented. We might have had like two likes, but, but nobody said anything. And projectors are expensive, so I wasn't expecting you just to be like, hey, I'm going to buy it. But after a month or so, out of the blue, my phone rings. And I get a call from Pastor James Weaver, who I've had probably at that point like two conversations with. I didn't think he knew who I was. But Austin Weaver, his son, is a good friend of mine and had just preached at Chi Alpha. And Pastor James Weaver called me, and he said, hey, I heard you need a projector. I said, yeah, we do need a projector really bad. And he said, okay, we're going to buy you that projector. And he said this, I quote, he said, and we're not going to go cheapy. We're getting the best thing out there for you guys. We're going to get you a good setup. And God blessed our socks off. That's like the fifth time I said bless our socks off, so just, just go with it. But, but God blessed us so much through New Hope Assembly of God in Urban Dills, generosity, and they got us a brand new projector, a big old screen that's huge. Like we're looking at spaces for our church. Like, like quite a few of the spaces, like the screen wouldn't fit in because it's so gigantic. So thank you, Pastor Weaver. Thank you, New Hope. But, but the point is, I didn't have to strive. I didn't have to call everybody in the state and say, hey, who can give us a projector? Instead, I prayed. I did put a post out there. I had to do something, but, but I prayed, and then, and then God came through, and Pastor Weaver filled that need through his church. And it's been incredible because it wasn't just about that projector and screen. Our relationship over the last year with New Hope has only grown and developed. It's, it's, it's become this intimate relationship where it's almost like, like they're our spiritual covering. They've just come through for us, not only financially, but also spiritually, just, just being people we can call, especially in this church plant process as Pastor Weaver planted his church 30 years ago and it's grown now to 2,000-some to people. It's been amazing. He's been a spiritual mentor for me and helped me through this season. And they are trying to help us get a building for our church. And we're still in that process. But, but God knew we would need a building. Back then, I had no idea that God was calling us to plant a church. But God knew we were. And God knew we needed that, that partnership with New Hope so, or so we could plant this church. We needed a covering. We needed someone to come through for us and, and be our, our, our sister church. And now we're walking in this beautiful relationship with New Hope because God set it up. I didn't try to set it up. I didn't network. I didn't call Pastor Weaver and said, God set it up. God, for some reason, put or put our ministry on their hearts, and they've come through. God is good. And if God calls you to something, he's going to help you do it. God wants you to get where God wants you to get more than you want to get where God wants you to get. Does that make sense? God wants you to get where he wants you to get more than you want to get where God wants you to get. You can quote that, put that on Twitter if anyone's on there still. I think Isabel Wolf's on Twitter. I think Marissa's on Twitter. You can tweet that. I share this all to say that, that God is fighting our battles. He's setting things up. If we obey him and follow his vision for our lives, we can trust that he will bring us the right people, the right circumstances, 
and the resources to accomplish what God has called us to do. So if God has called you into ministry tonight, you need to stop worrying and saying, am I gonna make enough money? No, if God's called you to it, he'll give you the money. If God's called you to change your major, you need to stop worrying if that's gonna upset your parents or if that's gonna set you back on graduation. Instead, you just need to obey and let God work out the details. If God's called you to end a relationship, he'll give you the strength to do that if you trust him. He'll carry you through. If God gives you a crazy dream, he will deal with those who oppose you. God will deal with them. If we obey God and follow his dream for our lives, he will contend for us just like he contended for Abram all those years ago. Abram obeyed God, and because of his obedience and God's faithfulness to keep his promises, Jesus came into the world through his family. The Apostle Paul beautifully summarizes Abram's story in Romans chapter 4. Verse 17 says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. Talk about Abram. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, in whom Abram believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of of many nations. So as Abram was getting older, as he's like, it's definitely not possible now to have children, he continued to believe in hope against hope. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. So Paul's like, he was old as dirt. Or when he had considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. And no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. As he believed, he grew stronger in his faith over time. As he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. God is a promise keeper, and tonight he wants us to believe that he will do what he's called us to do. He will help us do what he's called us to do. He will come through on our behalf. If he's promised it, he's going to do it. We need to take that to the bank. We need to have that kind of faith tonight. God is looking for some people who have the crazy faith to actually believe that God is real, that he is all-powerful, and that he will do what he says he will do. God is calling us to have that kind of faith tonight. Like most couples... Emily and I have this list of baby names that we like. We have a ton of girl names. There's just so many pretty girl names out there. But the only boy name we've ever agreed upon, and and this is going back several years, is Abram. It's the only name we've ever liked or agreed upon together. And we, or back when we began this journey of planting the church on October 14th and then found out that, that God had given us a new baby on the 16th, God immediately began highlighting Genesis 12 to me. And I had this hunch that, that God was gonna give us a baby boy because he just began to highlight and saying that our story of planting this church is very similar to Genesis 12. We were leaving the land we knew and going to a land that God's gonna show us. And we're still praying about those steps. We're still, or we're still walking by faith and God's showing us each and, every step of the, each and every step of the way. And as we've been doing that, Abram has been growing in Emily's belly. He's been getting stronger, becoming the fully formed human that God has created him to be. And just it just makes so much sense for us to name him Abram, and that's his name. So we wanted to share that tonight with you guys, that our baby boy's name is Abram, and we pray that he would be like Abraham. He'd be like Abram, the father of many nations, that he would be a person who lives by faith, that he'd be a person who puts it all on God and says, I'm gonna lay it all on the line for you, God. I'm gonna take you at your word. I'm gonna just believe that you keep your promises. I'm very, very excited to meet him, and hopefully he'll be here sometime at the beginning of June. All right, so I'm excited to announce officially that his name is Abram Daniel, that's a good name, Quinby, all right, so, all right, so the main idea tonight is this, for one last time, well, I hope I'll be back at some point if Pastor Derek lets me preach, but, but, you know, one last time as the director, the main idea is this, God is calling us to be a people who lay it all on the line for him. God is calling us to be a people who bet the farm, who lay it all on on the line for him and take him at his word. I believe tonight that there's three groups of people watching. There's three groups of people watching tonight. You're in your living room or your bedroom or your bathroom if you're that kind of person. And and God wants to speak to you tonight. Jesus wants to encounter you. The first group is those who love Jesus. You love Jesus so deeply and you're living by faith. You're in that space where you're just Stepping out in faith, you're, you're trusting Jesus. You're 
obeying him. And right now, you feel like you're out on the water like Peter was. And you kind of feel like you're teetering, that you might sink. You're feeling some uncertainty right now in your life. And tonight, Jesus wants you to lock eyes with him again and to know that if he's called you to it, he's gonna get you through it. If he's given you a vision, he will be faithful to accomplish the vision that he's given you if you obey him. So tonight, I encourage you, lock eyes with Jesus. Lock eyes with the one who called you. Lean into him and let him hold you up. There's a second group tonight, and it's those who, who love Jesus and you're a Christian, but there's something that God has asked you to do that you haven't obeyed yet, that, that you haven't said yes to yet. Or maybe you're living for a selfish vision right now. Tonight, God is calling you to trust him. God is a good father. He wouldn't call you to something that's not for your best. He wouldn't call you to something that's not his best for you. So tonight, he wants you to see that he's called you to something great. He wants you to, to see the calling that he has in your life, and he wants you to obey him. He wants you to get a vision that goes beyond yourself. He wants you to get a vision that is about blessing him and blessing other people. He wants you to do what he's told you to do. So maybe you need to change a major. Maybe you need to choose a different job. Maybe you need to move to a different city. Maybe if you're an alumni right now and you're watching this, you need to move back to Cedar Falls, Waterloo, and be part of St. Church. Can I get an amen tonight, somebody? I want some alumni to move here. I'm just saying, if you're watching, all right? I don't know what it is, but I believe that, that now is the time to obey Jesus. I'm telling you guys, I've been living it these last several months, and it's the best place to be. It's scary at times. It's uncertain at times. I've had some late nights of just praying and saying, Jesus, help me, but I've never felt closer to Jesus than I have in this season, and I want you to join me on the water, to step out in faith tonight and obey whatever he's asking you to do, and I just believe, I'm just crazy enough to believe that if you obey Jesus, that the whole world might get blessed through your act of obedience. I believe that tonight. Come on, somebody. And finally, there's those who are watching. Maybe you've been watching all six weeks online. Or maybe this is your first time watching and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that, or tonight that the best place to be is in right relationship with God. That's why you were created, to be in relationship with the God of the heavens, to be in relationship with Jesus who came and he bled for you on the cross. He paid the price for your sin. You know those moments when you just mess up and you feel that shame and that guilt? On the cross, Jesus bore all that shame. He bore all that guilt on himself and said, I'm gonna bear that so they don't have to. And tonight, Jesus wants to call some sons and daughters home. I just believe that. So if you've been watching this and you have yet to put your faith in Jesus, tonight is your night. Tonight is your night. Put all your trust in him. There's not some magical formula to get saved. Instead, all you gotta do is say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I put all my faith in your sacrifice on my behalf. Jesus, I put all my trust in the fact that you went into the grave, but then you rose up out of it three days later. Tonight, Jesus is calling some of us to come home. And I'm telling you, it's the best place to be, to be in right relationship with Jesus Christ. I just pray tonight that some of us would become sons and daughters of God. All right, so if that's you, I just wanna pray for you. And like I said, all you gotta do is just pray a simple prayer of trust and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I put my hope in you. So let's pray. Jesus, tonight we put all of our weight into you. Tonight we ask you to save us, God. Some of us are not in right relationship with you. And tonight we wanna throw all of our trust into you and say, Jesus, on the cross, you paid the price for our sins. And then three days later, you rose up out of the grave, declaring death, sin, hell, and the grave defeated forever. And God, tonight, we put our faith in that. We put our trust in that. All right, there's another way to respond tonight. I believe that Jesus is calling us to be a community of radical obedience, of a godly vision, and of holy confidence. As we embrace this lifestyle of faith, God is going to empower us to be a people who reach our campus. God is going to empower us to be a people who reach our cities. God is going to empower us to be a people who reach the world. God will empower us to be a blessing to the nations. But tonight we have to be a commitment to be this people, to be a people of radical obedience, a godly vision and holy confidence. God is calling us to embrace the spirit of Abraham tonight. 
and to go to the country that God will show us and to trust him each and every step of the way. So tonight, if you wanna make that commitment, I wanna encourage you just right now, if you need to get on your knees, if you need to turn around and get on your knees and and just lean on your couch, if you need to raise your hands to heaven, do it right now. And let's pray and say, Jesus, empower us to walk in the spirit of Abram. So let's do it. Jesus, tonight, we just ask you to empower us. Holy Spirit, come on, fill us. Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit tonight. Empower us to be the people of faith that you've called us to be. Acts 1 but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So tonight, God, we ask for that. We ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. God, we ask for the ability to be a community of radical obedience, of godly vision and a holy confidence. We thank you for that, Jesus, in your name, amen. All right, so with that said, I wanna pray for Pastor Derek as we talk about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Derek is about to step into the biggest faith journey of his life, all right? And I want to pray that that God will give him everything he needs as he steps out and as he becomes our new leader of Chi Alpha. So I just want to pray for him quick here. All right, so Jesus, first of all, God, I want to thank you for Derek. God, I thank you that, that five years ago now, you called him to transfer schools after only being there for a couple months and to come to the school that his brother was pastoring at, to to come under his brother's leadership, which is just a crazy act of faith right there. God, I thank you for for bringing Taylor into his life and and for forming that marriage and that incredible relationship. God, I thank you for all the guys that he's raised up in his small groups over the last few years. He's been an incredible discipler. Jesus, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for how he's led us into worship so many times into the deep places of your presence. God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for this man And God, we thank you that you've given him a vision. You've given him a godly vision for Chi Alpha. And God, I believe that our best days are ahead of us. So God, I pray that as he steps into this, that you would give him everything he needs each and every day. And God, I pray that Chi Alpha would go to the best place we've ever been. God, I pray that so many students would get saved through this act of faith. So God, we thank you for Derek and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so one more time, we're gonna worship. All right, Lord, send revival one more time. So we're gonna just sing it out one more time here together as a community, and that's our cry. We're just gonna cry out and say, God, we need revival in 2020, so let's do that.
break out. So come now in power, cover this land. You've done it before, would you do it again? So Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit, heaven break out. Come now in power, cover this land. You've done it before, would you do it again? So Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit, heaven break out. So come now in power, cover this land. You've done it before, would you do it again? So Lord, send revival. Lord, send it now. A move of your spirit, heaven break out. So come now in power, cover this land. You've done it before, would you do it again? Yes, Lord. Yeah, God, we just pray that, God. We've been praying that for five years. Well, for 10 years, actually. Lord. We've just been praying that, that you would send revival to our campus. And God, we continue to contend for it. God, we continue to ask, pour out your spirit on our campus. Pour out your spirit. God, we believe that you want to use the young to change the world. God, we believe that. We believe that you want to use the college campus to change nations. And God, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on the campus of you and I, and on the campus of Upper Iowa, on the campus of Hawkeye. God, God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for everything you've done this year. God, we love you. We're thankful to be your sons and your daughters. We're thankful to be called. We're th God, we're thankful, are thankful for being called to lay it all on the line for you. And tonight, God, we just say we're gonna lay it all on the line for you again. We're gonna continue to trust you. We're gonna step out in faith and do what you've called us to do. All right, Jesus, we love you. We thank you in your name, amen. All right, guys, well, thank you so much for tuning in for our last service. And I just wanna say before we sign off here, thank you for these last five years. It's been an incredible journey. I'm thankful that, or that we're not moving off to some distant land, but we'll still be here just in a different role. But I just wanna say thank you to all the students and all the small group leaders and the different staff members and interns we've had over the years and the pastors and churches and family and friends who have supported this ministry. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for everything. There's nothing great that can happen without a team. If there's ever gonna be a great thing done for God, it has to be a group of people coming together and banding together and saying, we're gonna do this together. So thank you for coming alongside us. Thank you for being a part of this dream. And I just believe, like I said, that God has our best days ahead of us. All right, so, so one last time, I just wanna say, we'll see you later and hopefully see you in the fall. I love you guys. <laughs>